0: Today is June 1st. What were the charges against Jesus? Let's find out together as we study Mark 14:60 60 to 65. So yesterday we saw Jesus in the kangaroo court that the religious leaders of his day brought against him. They took him in the middle of the night to the high priest's house seeking some kind of charge for which they could validate their desire to have him crucified. We saw that many gave false charges against Jesus, but they couldn't get their story straight. And as a result, no charges were actually levied against Jesus. So in Mark 14, 60, then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Jesus was silent and made no reply because no charge had actually been brought against Jesus. They couldn't agree So why would he say anything? They didn't accuse him of anything legally. In 61, then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you'll see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand, coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, Jesus' short statement here is incredibly powerful, incredibly charged, laden with prophecies from the Old Testament. First of all, Jesus literally says, I am. Now, in the Greek language, uh, you conjugate the verbs. As in most languages in which verbs are conjugated, Uh, English is one, but we don't conjugate according to the subject. Spanish does. Um, The verb ending for I see is different from the verb ending for you see. And as a result, typically, you don't put the pronoun. The pronoun is included with the verb. Greek is the same, so it's rare that you would actually use the word I. In the Greek language as well, sharing a little bit of its Semitic background, especially in Israel, you didn't have to use the verb am. If you just said, I, farmer, you communicated, I am a farmer. So it was fairly typical to not use the pronoun I and not use the verb am. But in this case, Jesus very blatantly says, I am. Now when he says that, he's referring back to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses stood before the burning bush, hearing the voice of God saying, Go back to Egypt and free my people. Moses' first objection was, I don't even know your name. What if they ask me who sent you? I won't have an answer for them. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God replied to Moses, My name is I Am who I am say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you God's name is I am because of that in both the Hebrew language and in what we have of Jews speaking in the Greek language they would not say the phrase I am they would either omit the pronoun Or omit the verb. Jesus said, I am. He pronounced two words together that a good Jew would never say. He identified himself as God. Now he goes on. And he says, uh, You will see the Son of Man Seated in the place of power at God's right hand. The Son of Man from the book of Daniel is a phrase used for the Messiah, but they weren't totally sure that Daniel was talking about the Messiah because he had divine features. We'll see that in just a second. But he would be seated at the right hand of God. Psalm 110, 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord. And if you remember, Jesus in the Passion Week has just quoted this messianic psalm, saying, How could David say to the Messiah, calling him Lord? The Lord said to my Lord, my descendant, but my Lord. Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Jesus quotes this messianic psalm, referring to the time that the Messiah would come and sit at the right hand of God. Then in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9, the ancient one comes, and he begins to judge the whole world. And in verse 13, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one, as is led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, sovereignty over all the nations of the world, so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Now, when Jesus quotes these two Psalms, the Jews, the religious leaders sitting around him, knew exactly what he was talking about. Jesus was saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am given. All sovereignty, power, and authority in heaven and on earth. I will rule. Boy, it doesn't get any clearer than that. In verses 63 and 64, the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror, and he said, Why do we need other witnesses? You've all heard his blasphemy. What's your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. There's the charge. Blasphemy. But is what Jesus said really blasphemy? And I'm not even talking about the truth of what he said. Jesus claimed to be God. Blasphemy is cursing God. We see in the book of of Leviticus chapter 24, the story of a young man who blasphemed the name. He cursed God's name, a curse on the name of the Lord, or whatever he said, the the writer was so horrified by it, he didn't even write down what the man said. He just said he blasphemed. Blasphemy is cursing the name of God. Jesus didn't do that. But in the minds of the religious leaders, Jesus identified himself with God. They thought he's just a man. He identifies himself as God. That is equal to cursing God. And for that, they condemned him to die. The reality is, Jesus clearly identified himself as God and Messiah. That wasn't blasphemy. That was the truth. If you come across someone who says, Jesus never claimed to be God, in this passage, it's as clear as night and day. If you understand the Old Testament and what it brings to this passage, Jesus identified Himself as God. He identified Himself as the Messiah. And for that, He was condemned to die. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, We'll finish our study of paragraphs in the book of Mark, looking at Peter's denial.